Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Harmonize with me and hold me tight all through the night. You're shining bright. I'm your oyster, baby. You're my pearl. We're here. Hey, Dom. Here we are again. Can I just say, I'm what? reluctant to put my headphones on. Why? Because I have debonair hair. Your hair does look good today. And you know how much I like debonair hair. It's not often that I get debonair hair. It's a freakish occurrence. Well, you, I, go on, go on. You don't have to wear the headphones. The yeah. only person you'll miss, because you can hear me, is John, the producer. I think I will put them on. Are you sure? But I just want to kind of, what's the word? Cement, just for a moment. Debonair hair. Can well, you talk about debonair hair for a second? Yeah. Debonair hair is something that I don't prepare. Because, well, yeah. It's, but it's, it's what you like to wear. It's a poem. Um, lots of times, whatever. I'll style my hair and it'll look one way, look another. I don't really care about it one way or the other. But then, sometimes, more often than not, when I wake up in the morning and I've got crazy bedhead. Yeah. I've slept in a weird way and we'll get into that in a second. I'll just get water and I'll just kind of like plaster my hair down to make it calm down a little bit. Yeah. And more often than not, when I leave the house, then there's a much higher chance that I'll have debonair hair, which is a little bit of a pompadour. Yeah, it's got a, it's got like a, it's like a little Quiff. wave. I'm going to ruin it now. But there you go. That was debonair hair. Can I write a poem about that just now? Yeah, maybe a song about, oh, it's so much better with the cans on to hear your voice. It's called Debonair Hair by Dom. When I wake up without a care Put water on my head Then debonair hair I walk downstairs, now what should I wear? Well, I don't really care I've got debonair hair Thank you very much, Dominic. That's a poem you about could, your debonair hair. You could also achieve debonair hair, whether that's you, Bills, yep. or you guys at home. If you've got stories about how you accidentally have a great hairstyle, let us know. I don't think I'll get debonair hair now. Really? Yeah, a bit, a bit too thin and too short. My hair's thin too. I'll say it right now, and I don't. I have no shame in saying yeah. it. If I do get to a point where I am noticeably losing my hair, either a massive bald uh-huh, patch uh-huh. or crazy receding, uh-huh. I'm getting that hair surgery. Oh, are you? Yeah, why not? I'm I'm just going to shave mine off. I mean, you've had a skinhead yeah. quite a few times in your life and yeah. you can rock it. So at least you know if you get to that point, yeah. well, a skinhead works for me, you know. But you want to keep your debonair I hair? I'm a bit precious with my hair, aren't I? You look good, though. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, emails and real mails. Fast as tigers, slow as snails. Should we do some questions? Why not? Uh, I'm excited about this one because um, Cara from Cheshire has got in touch with us. And uh, that's where I spent a huge amount of my childhood. Stockport in Cheshire. Oh, which really? Is in Greater Manchester. Um, and Cara, this is a question for you, Bills. All right. Cara said, Billy. Exactly how smug did you feel about the fact that the other hobbits had to do dialogue training when you were just allowed to use your natural, charming Glaswegian brogue? Ah, now here's the thing. I, I, well, I actually did do um, some voice stuff dialogue training because the original idea was we all had a sort of accent like you ended up using kind of west country west country um or maybe not frodo maybe frodo was always a little rp yeah but um when we started messing around with the accents (laughs) i think basically pete said you're just not as funny interesting and uh in the north uh, country or west country accent so um and i i was kind of i was i was kind of quite happy at that because 
for one thing, I love to hear Scottish voices and things because I feel like we don't hear them enough. But in the world of Tolkien, there is a lot of different accents and it's lovely. But in the books, it does say that the Tooks live in their own country, which made me think of like <laughs> Scotland and they invented golf, which sounded like Scotland, and they were the heads of the clans in the Shire. One. And it just, and took actually is an old Gaelic word uh, meaning to bang a drum. And I just like the idea of them, of the hobbits having a Scottish clan, clans up there, you know. And on top of that, I also liked, because it was four hobbits, all quite similar, that it would be nice to... Um, make it more obvious on which one is which, which I think is important because we still get confused yeah. who was Mary, who was Pippin. And then it was nice way of kind of making Pippin a bit of an individual. Yeah. I mean, last night in the Q&A that I did, someone said, will you be singing the last goodbye on the podcast? And I just wrote, no, that's the other one. <laughs> People still get us confused and get <laughs> Billy and Dom confused, not just Mary and Pippin. It's crazy. All right, we've got another question here. Oh. From Sarah in Ann Arbor in Michigan. Have you ever been to Michigan? Here we go. Not only have I been to Michigan, I know Ann Arbor. I I have family in Michigan. Really? So when I was a young man, I used to go to Michigan around Ann Arbor, like um, Mount Clemens, around Ooh. that area. And so in the same way that you used to hang around Cheshire and around that area. I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. What well, um what's the vibe at Ann Arbor? Well the thing is is <clears throat> it's around Detroit, so a lot of people there were working in um the auto industry, making mm. cars. Mm. So my my dad's sisters, both of them, went to Detroit with their husbands to work in the uh, General Motors. So they lived around that area, which meant we would go and visit them every year mm. when I was sort of six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. We when would... Back when Michigan was a thriving, growing yeah. car industry, right? Yeah, and they lived in the sort of suburbs, and that was the first time I ever saw uh, McDonald's, mm. and everything was very American. Mm. And there was no sidewalks because everyone drove everywhere. Mm. So we would be walking. I, I remember walking when I was like 11 years old. Yeah, I remember walking when I was 11 years old. But not on, no sidewalk, no right. pavement. Oh, and, right. And someone shouted out a car, buy a car, the man. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I've spent a lot of time in Ann Arbor. We digressed there a little bit, Bills, but Sarah from Ann Arbor in Michigan asked us, do you think Lord of the Rings paved the way, paved the way for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, intricate storytelling, fantasy elements, etc.? Would you like to answer that, Tom? You're a good one for breaking down movies and what they're all about. Mm. I, th I feel like Marvel's such a massive franchise that it was probably going to happen anyway. Um, I think Lord of the Rings did a lot of things for kind of movie history, mm -hmm. movie legacy. It was the first major fantasy film that was noticed by the Academy and, mm. and won. Mm -hmm. I think there's been films over the years that got a few maybe special effects nods or visual effects okay. nods, but not Best Picture. A fantasy movie had never won Best Picture. So I think I think that was helpful for films like Marvel to say there's there's an audience here. But oh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure, really. Um, and certainly the way that Pete shot the movie. I mean, I've seen pretty much direct takeoffs of Pete shots and other big blockbuster movies, where you're like, "That is completely from Lord of the Rings." Yeah, for so sure. I'm was, sure younger filmmakers have watched it and thought, oh, "Why do that shot?" Yeah. Imitations, the best form of flattery, and so on. That's what they say. Uh, do you have a favourite Marvel film? Hold on, hold on, Dom. Let me have a think, because I'm going to the very deep parts of my brain right now to mm. think about this. While you think, I'll give you a second to think. Mine's 
Doctor Strange, I think, because it has some nice elements of comedy with some fun psychedelia. I think Benedict Cumberbatch is very funny in it. Our friend Benny Wong is in it. Benny Wong's in it. Anything with Benny Wong in it is worth watching. Good old Benny. He's a good man. And uh, it's just a bit of a romp. It's exactly what you're looking for in a Marvel film. There's adventure. There's fun. There's battles. There's craziness. There's colours. Tilda Swinton is incredible in it. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite actors. No, I'll give you that. That was a very good one. It's a good one. I'll give it. Yeah, it's very good. What about the... um, the uh, the TV show, what was that called? Are you talking about One Division? I am. You're a fan, right? I really liked it. Another one of your co-stars. Yeah, Paul Bettany. Uh, I I really liked that show. I thought it was really interesting, and it and it kept me at the very edge of my seat. So is this like this is looking at the Marvel universe through like a 1950s? Sitcom. Is that wow, the idea? you're going to enjoy it because you haven't seen it. No, have I've not you? seen it. Ah, oh, seen it. Well, it goes. I don't want to give you too much. No, no spoilers. But basically, each week, 1950s sitcom. Next week, 1960s sitcom. Why? Not telling you because okay. you told me not to tell you. No, don't tell me. 70s sitcom. Right. The next week. 1980s sitcom. I think I'm getting the trend here. You still don't want me to tell you? No. Well, watch it. Okay. Really? Is it is it worth it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do okay. you mind? Do you mind at this point in the show if I remove my shoes? Please. Have you got socks on? Yeah. Oh, you've got those little. What do you call those socks? It's like figure hugging socks. Hey, I, I tell you what. These guys don't like uh, give us money or anything. But I love bombast socks. Well, so what's the deal with bombast socks? It sounds like a Spanish word. Well, for one thing, for every pair you buy. I can't believe we're doing an ad and not getting paid for it. For every pair you buy, they give a pair to uh, homeless shelters. Because well, that's a good reason to advertise them anyway. Straight away. You know I mean? And then, do you know what I like about Bombus? They have this thing. Yeah, that what's kinda, that grip about? It sort of hugs your foot, mm. and I quite like that. Well, your wife was the next ballet dancer, right? They look like ballet dancers' socks. Look at that. Look at that. Did your wife teach you that? Yeah. She says I've got very nice feet for a dancer. I was devastated because I used to have fantastic flexibility in my feet. Oh, I know that. In fact, my left is still pretty fantastic. My right, I fractured terribly in Bali in a motorcycle accident and they had to fuse two toes. So my big toe and what do you call the the toe next to your big toe? Middle toe? No. There's only pinky, big toe. See the other three? They don't have a name. They're nameless. Mm-hmm. Really? If you've got any ideas what you might call your, t- your toe <laughs> next to your big toe, please get in touch with us, friendshiponion at castmedia.com. Anyway, I've had my big toe and the toe next to my big toe fused, so they will not move now. So my, my other two toes will do this, and these, these toes will do that, and it looks horrible, and I used to really like my feet. Yeah, your feet were... The first time I ever met you... You picked up a, a DVD recorder with one foot. I remember you doing that, yeah. and I thought, that's amazing. Yeah. Because that's quite a weight. <sighs> yeah, it's sad that. Have you broken a bone before? Just my pinky. All oh, right. Oh, and my rib. Mm. How'd uh, you rib? I, I used to do martial arts, and a guy kicked me. Oh. Yeah. That's what you came there for, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you know. You for. you're asking for it, really. And I think that's all. I was saying to a friend the other day, the toughest thing for me in my experience about breaking a bone and I've broken quite a few is you wake up in the morning and in that moment of being awake but not being fully aware that you're awake yet, my brain would send a message to that part of my body to say, are you still broken? And I would get a message back saying, yeah, we're still broken. And the initial conscious thought of kind of like a, a mini depression and anxiety because you're like, oh, my body's broke. It's such a sad way to start your day. That's my least favorite thing about breaking a bone. Not the pain, not the recuperation. It's the fact that your brain says, are you okay? And that part of your body goes, no, we're not okay yet. And I go. <sighs> and see all the parts of your body. Do they have different voices? It's a good question. Or is it just a one? It's been, it's been a while since I've broken a bone. So the next time I break a bone, I'll I'll let you know if it has. A you know, like voice. is your pinky going? No, we're still broken. <laughs> but yeah, like your thighs, like 
Oh, we'll be fine in a bit. It's going to be a while. Now, Billy, you know me. There's nothing I like more than learning new things. That's true, that, Don. Mm. The spark of curiosity. Yes, the thrill of a new discovery. And where do we discover that spark? I tell you what, we've been checking out this place, Wondrium, right? It's brilliant. I really love it. Mm. I mean, they've got great courses, great things to learn, hear about, great teachers. I, I really love it. Yeah, you can have fun whilst educating yourself. A couple of weeks ago, I was learning about ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. This week, it's all about bread making because so many people have been making bread at home during these crazy times. Yeah. And these people can now pass on their tips as to how to make the best homemade bread. I'll bring you a loaf next week. That's fantastic. Lately, I've been looking at one of their courses. It's called A Big Question of Time. Oh, time. Looking at it. I love things like that. Yeah, time. They've got great professors and scientists. In fact, a couple of them we're saying that time is just an illusion. <gasps> Fascinating. Trust <laughs> us, your brain is going to love this place. Sign up now through our special URL to get this great offer. A 14-day trial. A free trial. Wow. Unlimited access. Go to wondrium.com slash onion. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash onion. Wondrium.com. Slash onion. Billy. Yes. Some facts are quite fun. Like, mm-hmm. here's one for you. Right. The first oranges weren't orange. They were green. <whistles> yeah. Well, here's something else then, Dom. Did you know that the letter Q does not appear in any of the names of any of the states? Wow. Yeah. And here's the last one for you. Mm-hmm. Turkeys can blush. Oh, that is a good fact. That's interesting, right? But here's a not-so-fun fact. Americans overspend on insurance by $21 billion every year. Mm. And you see, that is where the zebra can help you. Mm. The zebra compares car and home insurance quotes from every major provider in under five minutes, giving you all the facts you need to make the right decision for you. It's the fastest way to find the right coverage at the right price and from a provider that you can really trust. And that is a very fun fact. Mm-hmm. So get all the facts in one place. Start comparing quotes for free today by visiting thezebra.com slash onion. That's thezebra.com slash onion. If you've got any interesting stories about breaking bones... Where would you send them, Guys, Dom? get in touch with send us an email at uh, friendshiponion at castmedia.com or you can also send us a voice message. Now, that voice message can be anything. That can be... Hi, Billy and Dom. Here's a question for you. It can be, here's my story about my life that I think you might be interested in. I'm a medical student. I know what all the toes are called. Yeah. So one, Somebody might say that. Right. Speakpipe.com forward slash the friendship onion. Get in touch. Leave a message. Subscribe to the pod. The reason why you subscribe to the pod, I was telling my mum today because she didn't know about podcasts. She said, oh, when does it come out? Oh, and I said, it's already out, mum. And she said, well, what, how, do I, how do I listen to it? Where do I go to listen to it? I said, go to the Friendship Onion, wherever you might be looking for your other podcast. And if you click subscribe, then you don't have to keep searching for it every week. It's just going to show up in your phone, Maureen. She's got bigger fish to fry. She's actually frying fish today, my mum. Oh, I hope it's nice. Yeah. Then she'll be sitting there and she'll say, what am I going to do today? Bing. She Friendship said, Onion, new episode. She said, say hello to you. Oh, please send my love to her. Asked how you were. She's lovely. She is lovely. They're a bit sad because obviously my parents spend quite a bit of time in Spain, but what with one thing and another going on, they've not been able to get to Spain for a while and they love they love Spain. My sister lives in Spain. Yeah, she does. So she loves Spain, I know. Good for her. Right. Here we go, guys. Right. Um, we've got a, we've had a few messages on our YouTube channel. So if you'd rather watch us do this podcast. Uh, instead of listen, then you can go to the Friendship Onion at youtube.com and l- leave your comments there and some of the more colourful comments. Right. Let, let's uh, give us one, Dom. We've pulled uh, from our YouTube channel. Rally? Eh? Rally? Rally. Rally. Rally left us a message on our YouTube uh, channel, Friendship, yep. Friendship Onion. He said, Oh, this is a line from the film. I go on then. I feel it in the water. Well, I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. That this is going to be my new favourite podcast. 
No! Oh, who well, says that? I feel it in the water. Is that Galadriel? Galadriel. Thanks. Thanks, Raleigh. Thanks, Raleigh. Leave your beautiful comments on our YouTube channel. It's better to leave your beautiful comments underneath our podcast and rate us, give us a five-star review because then we'll fly up the charts and people will get a chance to listen to us more and more. I love it. Are you still hungry? Yeah, I'm starving. Guess what? What? We're now at a point where we're going to eat the world. Yes! Billy and Dom eat the world. Bill and Dom eat the world. What are we eating today, Dom? Billy's favourite part of the show. Today we're going to be eating uh, this kind of dip, I guess, called Giardinera. It's an Italian dip that has been kind of morphed by, I think, the Mexican community over here. Giardinera. And we'll have to find out from our illustrious producer, John, if we're having the Italian version or the Mexican version, but it's basically, it's kind of like an anti-pesto. Pesto? And tell me this, Dom, where in the United States would this be a staple food? I don't know. Well, why don't you pan up a little bit and you can Oh, hang it. on. We've got some information here. I would say Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Wouldn't you? The Windy City. City of broken shoulders. Let me read this bit out for you. There you go. In Chicago... It's most often used on beef sandwiches, which is a Chicago staple, as you know, Mm. along with hot dogs, sandwiches, and more recently, pizza. And that's how we're having it, Dom. Are we having it with a little pizza? And it's it's like a dip. So a lot of times, we don't really do this in Britain that much, but in the States, they'll dip like ranch. Yeah. Or barbecue sauce with pizza. Buffalo. We don't do that at all, do we? No, you get your pizza, you eat it. I'll tell you what you do in Scotland, though. Deep fry a pizza. Wow. Do you do that? No. In, in Manchester? No, no, no. You should try it. It's crispy. When you eat a pizza, if you take a slice, will you will you fracture the slice in the middle and fold it over? Sometimes I will, depending no, on the shape of it. Oh, here we go. Here it comes. Here comes John. Oh, it's got the stuff already on it. Remember what it's called, Dom? Jardinera. Oh, it does look good. Oh, it looks hot, by the way. Do you mind if I smell it? Please smell it. This is... um. A sensory experience oh, for the two of us. It's pickly. It Ooh. smells quite pickly. Now, hold on. Pan down a little bit, Dom. We'll give you some more information while we're talking. So it's called Giardinera. Giardinera, originally an Italian dip uh-huh. of sorts made with vinegar. Oh, lovely. Oh, there it is. Well, here it is. Right There's here. the we'll jar show, of we'll it. I'll show you guys. Is this a good one, John? Is this like a... That's the best. Oh, this, this is the Mar- best. Marconi. That sounds very Italian. Oh, God, Marconi. Originally kind of a, uh, vegetables in vinegar, but then it was commandeered and became more vegetables in oil, which I think might be the one that we're doing anyway. So the, the idea was it was an Italian way of preserving vegetables from mm. the garden, mm. you see? So and I suppose in the same way that in Korea they would have... Um, What's that called? Kimchi. Kimchi. Would it be the same sort of idea? Uh, I suppose it's preserving it in some way, but Definitely hold on till we try it. preserving it. What's oh, good? Is it? I know Billy well enough now to know that he'll like that. He likes a little bit of punch to his food. Now, is that is that a, a, a jalapeno there? Yeah. Is that, hold yeah. on. It's hard to get. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. <laughs> That's spicy, that. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. I um, <coughs> I will sometimes watch the show back, and my favourite moments of the show mm. are when the two of us are eating, and you can just hear us munching into the mics because you just sounds so silly. Very hobbity, though. Don, I'm having another bite. You love it, don't you? I absolutely love it, but you can in any way taste the pizza. <laughs> Mm-mm. It's just Jardinera. Jardinera? Is that right? <coughs> You're going to have to keep talking because I've got a little Hold on. jalapeno in my throat. It's hot, but I like hot. If you can see me sweating, it's a sweat of joy, pure joy. <coughs> it's roasting it. Oh, it's lovely, that. Now, it's oh. a Chicago style. It's pickled for longer, though. Right. Go on. Have you ever been to Chicago? 
Yeah, I love it. Windy oh, I've never City. Been. Have you? You pickle the vegetables first in Chicago, but then you drain it and then you cover the vegetables with oil. I tell you what, they say, they say it works on everything. There's nothing, nothing it doesn't work on. Now, I'm not sure how much you guys are enjoying just listening to Billy and I eat, but I'm liking this so much that I'm going to finish the entire slice. It's excellent. I can see this on toast. Have you eaten a whole slice of pizza? Yeah. I could have this on like sourdough toast, just like that, For because you know me, I love a hot breakfast. I know I don't, that. I don't mean heat. I mean spice. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's one of my favorite things about Southeast Asia. You can wake up in the morning and you can have a curry for breakfast, and I, I love that. I love it. Now, the thing is, Dom, a lot of people outside of Chicago don't know about this. So we're spreading it to the, the masses. We What's are. it called again, Dom? Jardinera. Jardinera. Says here, sales have doubled in the last decade. Well, all over the country. I don't know if you buy shares, but maybe you should buy shares in Jardinera. If it's doubling, I mean, that's got to be a good investment. It's Irish, is it? (laughs) No, doubling. Sorry. Hold on. Sometimes if I eat hot food, it can make me, it can make me delirious. Mm. I am... This was an idea from John, our producer, who, I don't know if he's from Chicago, maybe he is, but he loves this stuff. It's a great choice, John. It, now, <clears throat> that's the best thing you've ever done, John. <laughs> I don't I don't know the answer to this, John, but is is this is Jardinera available from most supermarkets or is it a bit of an exclusive kind of thing to get? It's a little bit harder to find out here. I bought it from Amazon. Oh, uh, in Chicago, it's everywhere. So there's a sandwich place called Potbelly that has some of the best jardinera. Um, so on a sandwich, it's it's very good. And in Chicago, it is all oil based, but in Italy, it's vinegar based. Is that right? I, believe, I mean, I think that they kind of traded recipes a little bit, so now that style of jardinera is more common, um, and the pickled variety is it's almost different. So if you go to Stores around here have usually the pickled variety of jardinera, but it's just not the same. I'm and I know sweating. that one's hot, but it also comes in mild, medium, super Love hot. hot. Love hot. The hot peppers in there are what gives it that kick. I'm sweating in a good way. You're sweating too. I love it. It's very, very tasty. Sometimes it doesn't happen as often anymore. But if I have one of those hangovers where you think, oh, this is going to be a bad day, I'll eat a hot pickled jalapeno and it's come back. I think jardinera would be a great choice for that because you're getting your vegetables, you're getting your heat, a couple of spoonfuls of that, back to bed, come up smiling on Tuesday. <laughs> I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I'm going to put a jar in that in my kitchen. It's lovely. I could I could think of a few things that would be good on. I'd put it in eggs. Oh, yeah. Poached eggs would be great. What do you think of that, John? Eggs is very common. Mm, that's a great one. Eggs are common. I have to say, Bill, this was your idea to do this segment of the show. Yeah. It's a slam dunk. Isn't it? Do you know what I mean? We're sat here chatting, and then someone brings us in food that we've not eaten before, and all we have to do is eat it. And not only that, I'm not paying for that pizza. No, no, no. I don't know who did. Cast will pay for that. Well, it doesn't matter. Guys, but I'll tell you, you what. Go on. Jardinera. I would say everyone listening, get yourself a tin of that and stick it in your cupboard. You'll find uses for it. So I'm going to say taste. Out of 10, I'm going to give Jardinera, I'm going to give it an 8.1. I'll give it an 8.4. Okay. Um, Design of the bottle and also of the raw materials itself. Because look, the bottle, the bottle's quite nice. I have to say, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing to look at. I'm going to give it, a 4.7 out of 10. I'll give it a 7.2. You're very positive. Well, I like the look. If I looked at that, I would think I would like to eat that. I'd like to get that in my gob. <laughs> right. And then flexibility um, or e- ease of use, accessibility of use. What? We'll All go- of that. That's high. That's a 9.3. 9.2. It's been a hit, guys. It's an absolute hit. If there's a food item that you grew up on, that you love, people don't know about it, 
in your local area. Everyone raves about it. You wish more people ate it. You want us to try it. We can get hold of it. Keep that in mind, because if you're in a part of the world, we can't get hold of it. It's going to be difficult. But, but there's, there's always a chance. There's there a might chance. be, a, you know, there's if it was if it was a Korean a South Korean thing, there might be a South Korean supermarket here that I'm sure John would be able to find and find us it. And it doesn't have to be amazing. It could even be something that you're like, we ate this and we hated it. Yeah, we don't understand why our mum made us eat it. It's a strange tradition. It's bizarre. It could be food or a beverage. Um, Please help Billy and Dom eat the world. Yeah. And just let us know what that food is. Send us an email, friendshiponion, castmedia.com, or you can leave us a voice mail at speakpipe.com forward slash the friendship onion. Woohoo! That was lovely, John. Well done. That was good, actually, John. My face is on fire. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something that's interfering with your happiness or maybe preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And the great thing is, Dom, you can start communicating with them in 48 hours. Mm. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counselling done securely online. And there is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is actually available for clients worldwide. And you can log into your account at any time and send a message direct to your counsellor. So visit betterhelp.com slash onion, that's better H-E-L-P, and join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states. Special offer for the Friendship Onion listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash onion. Hey, Dom, mm-hmm. summer is here at last. Absolutely it is. It's hot, isn't it? Roasting. It's time to get a brand new shirt from Untuck It. Yeah, a brand new shirt from Untuck It, but why not get yourself a performance shirt in this weather because it wicks the sweat off your body. Great idea, Dom. You don't want sweat on your body. No, you don't no, want no. that. And I tell you what, they've got all sorts of different shirts at Untuck It. They've got short sleeve shirts, which I love. Lovely. Uh, button downs. Mm-hmm. Polos, mm. anything you need. You'd look great in there. And all sizes, you know, from small kind of hobbity type mm-hmm. size, all the way up to triple XL. There is a size for you. Oh, yeah. So as we transition back into normal things that we've been missing, like dinner with friends, mm. going out with your family. Maybe a party. Going for a vacation. Yeah. Get your shirts at Untuck It. Use the code ONION for 20% off your first purchase at untuckit.com. Dom. William. We don't always have guests on our show. No, it's not all the time. But sometimes we get the idea of a guest or somebody offers us a guest that we cannot say no to. Yeah. Well, hang on a second. Right. Have we got Hillary Clinton? No, but we might at some point. Hillary, get in touch. Send an email. But today we have, and I'm very excited about this. Yeah. We have, I won't tell you what he is yet, we have Michael Lopez Alegria. Can I guess from his name? Go. Bullfighter. No. Okay. Although he was born in uh, Spain. He's got a Spanish name. But he is a former NASA astronaut. Oh, really? Yes. Brilliant. And not only that, this guy has spent more time outside walking in space, doing spacewalks, yeah. than any other man, certainly in NASA. Wow, that's and you're, you are Mr. Spaceman. You're a Star Trek fan, a Serenity fan, a Firefly fan. You love Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica. You're the whole anything, thing. Anything with space, I'm into it. I read books on space, audio books. That's all I care about. While you're talking to me right now, right. I'm actually just going to start. Writing down some questions for him. Right, you should do. Well, when will I get him on poo. Hang on a second. Oh, now what remember, do this you is do? No, that's just for you, not for the astronaut. This is very, very serious, Dom. Okay. This is a real astronaut. He's he's in the astronaut hall of fame. Really? Yeah. How do you get into that? You just have to be an astronaut. Well, yeah, you have to be one of the good ones. Brilliant. I'm going to ask him about G-force. What does good. G-force feel like? Are we? Good. Should that's we get him on the one. phone? 
What is G-Force I think we can get like? him on a kind of screen. Hold on. Brilliant. What type Let's of get Michael need? Lopez Alegria on the screen. Here please. we go. Hello, Michael. Can you hear us? I can. You hear me all right? Okay. Ah, wonderful. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, you guys have some uh, fancy microphones there. Oh, oh yes, yes. Yeah. We are very cutting edge. <laughs> no expense spared here, Michael. Where, where do we find you today? I'm uh, in Washington, D.C., at home where I live. Ah, lovely, lovely. Well, thank you very much for coming on. We obviously have hundreds of questions for you. Um, I'm when ready. I, when I, was, uh, I went to drama school, and one of the first things they said to us uh, when we're trying to be actors, they said, okay, we're going to do a little sort of um, acting experiment Everyone choose the job that you would love to be from a childhood. And I, of course, was an astronaut. I always wanted to be an astronaut, but I had no idea as a young man from Glasgow, Scotland, how I'd go about that. So did you always think or want to be an astronaut? Not always. Um, I first wanted to when I was 11 years old and and watched or actually listened to when uh, man first landed on the moon. And uh, that lasted for a few years, but then, you know, I got a bit older and in my adolescence, I kind of outgrown that. Um, but then I, much later in life, when I was a U.S. Navy pilot who had studied engineering and wanted to try to combine those two things um, <clears throat> and therefore became interested in becoming a test pilot, I read some stuff about how a lot of the graduates of the test pilot school, the U.S. Naval Test Pilot School, which is the one that I was interested in, had gone on to become astronauts. And so the, the dream was reborn, so to speak. And since uh -huh. then, I kind of put my head down in that direction and got very fortunate and was chosen. I'll, I'm going to ask you a question here that came up. I watched a, a, a space movie the, uh, the other night there. And in fact, before, before I ask you this, do you have a favorite space movie as we talk about movies on this podcast do you have a favorite well i had a favorite for a very long time uh, which is apollo 13 which i uh, think is a fantastic movie you know yes. obviously quite based on fact mm. uh, but then recently i saw a documentary movie called apollo 11 uh-huh which is all about the landing on the moon and there were no actors there were no there was no narrative it was just uh historical footage with newscasters telling the story and it was brilliantly weaved together yeah and if you know if you're a space person um it's it's an amazing movie i will be watching that <laughs> cool but okay, back to this one. So I was watching a space movie that I forget the name of. Someone who Stowaway. Stowaway. So it's a new one on Netflix. And when they get up onto their spaceship, they have um, uh, a, like a, a, a pretend gravity. Is there any way when we're in space that we can create a gravity yet? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, really? So all you have to do is rotate the spacecraft uh, about a certain point and the farther away you get from that point the more and of course the faster you're rotating the spacecraft the more you can uh, the more acceleration you'll feel and you know if you spin it fast enough you'll feel like it is on earth so there have been lots of studies done to build a space station which yeah. is like that it only takes probably a fraction of earth's gravity to be enough to um, ameliorate the effects of being in microgravity like muscle loss and especially bone density loss so yeah the idea is that you would have a, a spacecraft that rotates around something that's fixed and when you're sleeping and living working out not working let's say uh-huh you'd be in the exterior part experiencing that fraction of one g but when all the experiments are in the middle where there's zero g microgravity and that way you could have the best of both worlds probably a little bit in our future but I think it's certainly possible. So it's a sort of centrifugal force, really, rather than a... Yeah. Ah. So but, I mean, how how many spins, let's say, in a minute, is that something that you can quantify at this point? 
How many times uh, with this? I couldn't. <laughs> <But> <laughs> are, you talk, are you talking about an extraordinary amount of spins or is it a durable no, no, amount of no. spins? From what I understand, it's, you know, um, fractions of a revolution per minute right. at reasonable distances would create enough of a G field that you would um, mitigate those effects that I described a second ago. Well, this is basically what that movie did. So that was good. I hope you're writing this down. I, it's all in here. It's all getting kept stuff. in my brain. So how many despite times? The, go on, I'm sorry, Michael. Go on. I was going to say, despite the title of the movie, which makes me very skeptical, that part of it sounds pretty realistic. <laughs> yeah, Stowaway would be a little. Here hard. was my other one, and I, I can't just ask you a question from this movie. But there was one part. So they're at the exterior, and but they're they're doing a spacewalk, which I know you know all about, Michael. As I, if I'm right in saying you have done more hours spacewalking than anyone else. Is that true? Anybody at NASA, there's one Russian who's done more. Oh, those pesky Russians. <laughs> well, that's incredible. Well, anyway, in this movie, they're at the, the, the end of the spinning thing and, and, and they drop something and it, it goes, it drops. Would it drop? Wouldn't it just stay where you are? No, if they're in the spinning part and it's... Uh and they're outside, uh -huh. there would be subject to the same gravity as what would be inside. So, yeah, it would it would go away from the center of rotation. Just uh, This just film is fantastic, Dom. I, I recommend you yeah. watch it. I can't get my head around that, honestly. I'm a little, I'm a little lost already. So, Factual. Michael, how many, how many times have you left Earth's atmosphere to go to space? Four times. Would you say that it's more stressful on your body leaving Earth's atmosphere or coming back into it? Well, it depends on what vehicle you're coming back in. So on the space shuttle, we got up to three Gs for a minute um, leaving the atmosphere. And on the way back, it would be about a G and a half at the most. So it's mm -hmm. not very much. Um, but in a capsule, you have about the same G profile going up. But on the way back in the Soyuz, which is the last vehicle I flew on, we had four Gs for one minute. Again, they're this way Gs, so a little bit easier to take. Um, so arguably, the entry is harder in, in a capsule than it was. Um, well, it is harder in a capsule than, than the ascent, than the leaving the atmosphere part. Wow. And that's just a capsule that then has a parachute at the top of it that slows right. you down and usually, well, just, lands in the sea, right? Just like uh, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, they're all capsules. Now, the Soyuz lands on the Earth, on the, on the uh, ground in right. Kazakhstan. Right. Um, and all the other ones, as you mentioned, land in the ocean. Wow. Incredible. I guess they don't land. They splash down in the ocean. Right, right. <laughs> and as far as, um, you know, there's the, I suppose, well-known thing now of when astronauts see the world from the outside, it changes their whole thoughts about everything. Have, was there any feeling of that when you went to space? Just feeling of how small you are or how small the Earth is even? Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, you said it well when we, you know, you go around the Earth uh, every 90 minutes. And wow. as you do that, the Earth is turning underneath us. And so you're seeing a different swath of Earth as you go by. And uh, that really gives you some perspective. Right. And, you know, you begin to realize that uh, all of us on this planet are essentially crewmates on the same spaceship. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. the only spaceship that looks at all interesting out there. You know, the <laughs> other ones... Um, don't seem it, it seems very inhospitable when you look away from Earth and very welcoming when you look to Earth. So you definitely have a, a, a feeling of connectivity, you know, both to the other inhabitants of the planet and to the planet itself. Yeah. It makes you want to really think about taking care of it. Mm. What do you say to those crazy Yahoo people who are, are um who suspect that the moon landings were faked. If, if, someone's, if you're sat next to someone in a bar, unfortunately, and someone's giggling on about the moon landings were faked, how, what would be the comment that you would hope would destroy their argument? Uh, I'd probably buy them a drink. <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I have no, my, my feeling is I have no explanation that would move the needle for them. 
Mm-hmm. So I would probably just say, you know, we'll have to agree to disagree and move on. Right. It's, it's a lost argument for me. It's, it's not, if somebody thinks that, I just don't know how to change their mind. Right, right. Where do you, where do you think it will be in 50 years? Do you think? 55-0? Yeah. Well, hard to tell. I mean, I think I'm quite confident that there will be a vibrant economy in, in uh, low Earth orbit and we'll have mm-hmm. multiple space stations, probably some manufacturing facilities that might even be uh, unmanned because honestly, humans kind of disrupt a perfect microgravity that you can get otherwise. And some of the manufacturing processes are really sensitive to that kind of microgravity environment. Right. So I, I would expect we'll have, you know, relatively routine transportation. If you look back at commercial aviation, you know, almost 100 years ago, only very, very wealthy people could could fly. And now people go in an airplane to drop of a bucket. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, and it's similarly, hum, private human spaceflight right now is extraordinarily expensive, unfortunately. But over time and maybe in 50 years, it'll be to the point where it's not like, um you know, spending your life's fortune and, yeah. <laughs> and probably those of everybody you know, yeah. but rather something that is affordable. Well, Billy so can afford I, it. He I was in Lord of the Rings. Bright, He's yeah. made of money, seriously. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, Michael, but go on. Yeah. Um, oh, that would be great. We Jack. have to ask, Michael, is there life anywhere else in the universe? Well, I have to think that there is. I mean, the universe oh, is great. just too big to think otherwise. Okay. Um, and your next question is, when are we going to meet them? And I think that because of that very same vastness, it's probably not going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, at least, you know, in our in our collective experiences, humanity. I mean, the distances are so incredible yeah. that we think about, you know, our moon, which is 250,000 miles away. Mars is, you know, almost a thousand times that. So it, it's... Um, it's a pretty heavy slog to think of going outside our solar system, outside our galaxy to one of the other hundred billion galaxies that are out there. Mm. I just um, have to ask you as a quick fire questions then as someone who knows, but open your mind up here. When will we have a man on Mars? When will that happen? Well, wait, wait, what? Matt, Matt, Matt Damon. Man when, no, like that was, that four was, years ago. that was a movie. Oh, go on. Sorry, right. Michael. Sorry, Michael. That was a movie. Sorry, it's movie. confusing. It was a very good sometimes. movie. Life. Uh, I personally think that won't happen in my lifetime. Oh. Um, I think it's just a tough, tough thing. You know, think about how far it is. Yeah. With today's propulsion, it would take, you know, six to nine months to get there. Six to nine months to get back. Okay. And then because of the way the um, planetary mechanics work out, you have to spend about six months there. So you're looking at a, a two-year mission. You have to bring all the food, all the water, yeah. all the clothing, all the oxygen, all the fuel. I mean, it's a gigantic logistics. Mm. So you could try to pre-position it there, but it would be massively expensive. And I think without some preponderant forcing function, geopolitical, which is what got us to the moon, is yeah. hard to imagine. Economic is even harder to imagine since Especially we know now. relatively little about it. So. I don't see it happening in my lifetime. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Is it not frustrating for you, Michael, and everyone that you work with, that the Mars rover battery has been running for years, but we have to charge our phone every night? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, they have that, the technology. And yeah. it, Your phone would probably be a lot more expensive if you had that kind of battery in it. They're already expensive thousand dollars for too much do you have a favorite planet michael earth Ah, there you go mine is saturn what's the one you like the rings yeah what's the one that rains diamonds is that jupiter never heard that oh i heard this one of the planet it might it might be in my mind i think i think there's a chance somewhere in the universe but i don't think in our solar system oh you might be wrong i'll google that later (laughs) Um, wow, it's like the more questions that we ask, the more questions I have. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you, Michael. Apart from a loss of bone density and a potential loss of muscle density if, you, if you're not working out in, in the way that you hope to in space, 
Are there any other things that you're more susceptible to sickness-wise or illness-wise in space? Well, we definitely get more radiation than we do on Earth. And, oh. um, and so, you know, cancer is a, a bigger risk. Mm-hmm. However, the numbers uh, show that within the astronaut population compared to the general population, it, there's not a significant difference. Mm. The, the wrinkle, though, is that the astronaut population is generally pretty darn healthy, right? That's part of the yeah. selection process. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you, if you selected a group of ground test subjects who were exposed to less radiation, maybe there would be a difference. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we're having a hard time figuring out, and this is just uh, associated with long-duration spaceflight. By that, I mean more than, say, 30 days or so. Is we have some, we see some ocular problems, uh, mostly in older males, but also, you know, throughout the, the astronaut population. And so uh, I, for example, lost some, um, I became a little bit more farsighted when I was in space. You know how as we get older, our arms get too short, right? You can't, can't get far enough away <laughs> yeah. from what you're reading. <laughs> Um, so that happened to me, but at a, a rather accelerated pace uh, mm-hmm. for the seven months during my last mission. And we come back with other um, eye-related issues that generally go away, but the vision changes do not. And, uh, of course, that's not the end of the world, but it's, uh, it's something that we're still trying to sort out the, the cause of. Like you said, it tends to happen to everyone as they age, but with astronauts, it seems to be slightly accelerated with, with, with male astronauts. Exactly. Oh, interesting. And what's the longest you've spent in space? Seven months. Seven I flew months. three roughly two-week missions and then seven months. Arduous on the, on the physical body, a spacewalk. You know, we train for spacewalks in a, in a giant swimming pool um, in almost the exact same suit, which is weighed out to be uh, neutrally buoyant. So that simulates the zero gravity. And, it, sure. and it's a pretty good simulator for that. But training in that is actually a little bit more work because you have the viscosity of the water to deal with, whereas outside, obviously, it's a vacuum, so it's a little bit easier. But I would say sort of mentally and emotionally, the actual spacewalk is, is much tougher because obviously you're in space going you know, 17,000 miles an hour, 250 miles above the surface of the Earth. And while that's a spectacular view, it can be a bit unnerving. There and must be moments, right, if you're honest, when you're out there, if you're out there for six hours and you're doing something, that, that, do you ever get a wave of fear of I'm standing on the edge of like nothing? I think that happens to people right when they go outside the airlocks. So right. It's the very first thing and you get over it, you know, quite quickly. Then um, you what get- happens to you, though, is you see this beautiful view. And I mean, the view from the ISS is spectacular. You right. just can't compare it to anything. Yeah. But when you're outside the ISS, that is like nothing you could even conceive. It's, you know, you're looking through a visor. So you have an almost perfect, uh-huh. uh, unobstructed view. And um, it's, you know, you really get the sense of, you know, A, moving fast, B, how beautiful this planet is and uh, you really want to stop what you're doing and you know just take in the view but of course we can't do that for very long and i take it you only get the feeling of speed when you look at the earth you don't feel speed right correct you don't feel anything and if you're just looking at the space station up close you don't notice it and if you let go with both hands which is inadvisable you know, technically, is if you don't push off or anything, you won't go anywhere. You'll just fly, yeah. you know, in formation, if you will. We always have a tether, so you can yeah. let go with two hands, but it's uh, it's discouraged. Yeah. That was I was going to ask. That was another one from that movie I watched last night. At one point, they're out walking on this spaceship, and they weren't tethered. That would never happen, right? Yeah, that would never happen unless they had some sort of a manual uh, or automated, you know, backpack device that they could right. fly around in. So we used to have that actually, and in, uh, in the shuttle days, yeah, they would actually put this thing on and go retrieve wayward satellites. Yeah, um, we don't have that anymore. That was a very expensive, very sophisticated, multiple redundancy kind of system. We do have a little backpack now, though, which we use only for rescue. So. 
if you happen to let go with both hands and your tether gets uh, either dis, uh, uh-huh. unattached or breaks, which is pretty unlikely, we can uh, deploy this mechanism, a hand controller, basically, and orient ourselves and fly back to the space station. So I actually got to test it once on purpose. Wow. Um, and, and it was quite a thrill. Yeah. Like gravity. That happens a lot in that film, Gravity, right? There's oh, a yeah. lot of like being untethered. and. Oh, you don't want that. Space. So, Michael, if you're doing a spacewalk, you're working away at something, not looking at the planet, but you've, you've glanced at it, then you do your job and you look back at the planet, let's say half an hour later, are you seeing a completely different view of planet Earth at that point? 100%. In fact... <sighs> Every 45 minutes, it gets either it gets dark or it gets light. So you see a sunrise or sunset every 45 minutes. Every 45 because minutes. That's amazing. You're going from being between the sun and the earth to being behind the earth's shadow. Right. And um, so, yeah, it, in 15 minutes, you would, or you said 30 minutes, yeah. you would certainly go, you go from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean um, and you would never see the U.S. Incredible. And what about sleeping up there? Does that make that difficult? It, it can be hard. I mean, most people have no trouble falling asleep because uh-huh. you're actually pretty tired at the end of the day. Um, again, a lot of it is sort of mental and emotional, much more than physical. <clears throat> but what's hard is, is staying asleep. You know, when you're lying in bed here on Earth and you have that gratifying sensation of having your head on a pillow, that doesn't exist unless you Velcroed a pillow to your head. Right. And some people do that. <laughs> so you, we we basically sleep in sleeping bags that are zipped up um, to keep us from floating around. And the sleeping bags can be on the floor, but more often they're on the, the walls or even on the ceiling. And uh, what's missing is that sort of sense of lying down, which, yeah. which I really appreciated once I got back. Oh, I bet. Michael, well, I have one last question. Buzz Aldrin or Buzz Lightyear? They're two different things, as far as I know. Yeah, but who would, I, who would you I, prefer? Oh, this is a... I don't know Buzz Lightyear at all. You've never Buzz been Aldrin. exposed to the to the magic of Toy Story. There's a movie you I should mean, watch. I, so is that, a, is that a space movie? Should we put that it's on the It's a list? story about kids' toys that wake up, and one of the guys is called Buzz Lightyear, and he's kind of an inept space adventurer astronaut he's really sweet his heart's in the right place yeah. Buzz Lightyear. you'd like him he means well well then let's give him a chance at least right nice. there we go thanks michael when do when do you do your 10 day next next mission sometime in january or february that's the plan we don't have a launch date yet but it'll be in the first uh, month or two I'll wow well I, I, if you can ever get me up there please let me know <laughs> I don't even mind not coming back. (laughs) I know, Michael, nowadays it's quite popular for them to televise uh, launches. Will your launch be something that we can watch online? Yeah, I'm assuming so. Um, This is just a private mission, so it won't be on NASA TV, although we are going to the International Space Station, so there might be some coverage of us while we're on board. But I'm sure that uh, Axiom and SpaceX, who is our launch provider, will be interested in, in publicizing it. We'll so be there. You never know. Oh, I so. can't wait. Right? I'll come over to yours and we'll do like a popcorn I would love it. Thing. I'd love it. A and real space movie. This has been fascinating, Michael. Um, so brilliant to talk to you. Yeah. We wish you so much luck and safety on your next mission. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure for me, too. All the best. Take Thank it you. easy. Thank you very See much. See you, Michael. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dom. I am exhausted. I love that. It was brilliant, but I'm physically and mentally spent just trying to imagine what Michael's gone through. Did you feel as if you've just had a six-hour spacewalk? Yeah, it was brilliant, that. Can you believe he's never seen Toy Story? (laughs) I I have everything that he told us. The most fascinating fact for me is that he doesn't know who Buzz Lightyear is. Maybe he just didn't have, he's never had time to watch it. Brilliant, brilliant questions from you. But that's not going to be our last guest. Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, if there's anyone out there with an amazing job or something that they want to tell us, some, something that they're obsessed by, something that they're interested in, get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We're or all about learning new skills, right? Yeah, if there's any guests that you'd like to see on the show, please let us know. We'll get them on here. Billy's got a very sore knee. 
If there's anyone out there that knows how to fix knees, get in touch. See... People wanted to get in touch with us with yeah. an idea of a guest. I mean, I got my guest. I got an astronaut. Maybe on. someone does a fascinating job that they want to tell us about. Maybe we're curious about it. Exactly. Maybe they want to be a guest. Yeah. How would they get in touch with us at the Friendship Onion? Well, a good way to get in touch with us, obviously, Friendship Onion at castmedia.com. Or they can leave a voicemail. How do they do that? Well, they go to speakpipe.com forward slash the Friendship Onion. Get in touch if you want to be part of the show. We'd love to hear from you. Rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe. But only if you like it. If you don't like it, stay away. See you, friends. All the best. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.